Welcome back to the Brothers of the World podcast. Um, we're back on our usual day, but this time it is just me and Hristo. Um, we're recording, of course, the day after the Sisuela match. Um, the week, well, first Serie A match after um, whatever you want to call the loss to Real Madrid, but we'll get into that. Um, we'll just go ahead and... Just jump straight into that. Um, Christo, how did you feel going into that? And how do you feel now knowing that, you know, we beat Sassuolo but lost to Real Madrid? How are you feeling about that and just, you know, in general? I mean, last week we all said that our bigger cha- uh, we have we have bigger chance of um, beating Real than we would Sassuolo just because we know how Sassuolo plays against Inter. Uh, the hatred that I feel against the team, and just overall form in the Serie A. Well, in Champions League, I think we were all more and more uh, positive as days went on. You know, I think mainly because we had Lukaku back, who I think is a crucial to our game plan and the execution of, of the set plan. But also because uh, they were missing Benzema, Casemiro, and uh, the most important asset in um, Ramos. And I think all three are really the key players to Real's success in the past decade because it is Casemiro who holds and balances the um, the midfield alongside Kroos and Modric. And I think we didn't impl- ins- exploit that in the best way possible. Uh, I think we were so reluctant to attack. We were, in a sense, scared. And the... The goal didn't help much. Uh, the, the first penalty that was done by Barella, I think it was a stupid mistake. And we saw all, again and again how mistakes like that can cost us points. Um, that was the case in previous matches when Ashley Young or Vidal made the penalty or wronged the penalty. They were the main um, perpetrators in a sense. And overall, I think it was an awful match for Inter because we didn't we didn't exploit the chance of uh, beating Real, which would, would have give, uh, which would be a positive asset to have in the next match against uh, Bayer Leverkusen or Borussia Mönchengladbach, sorry, that's coming up uh, on, on Tuesday. So overall, I think we were destined to win, but we didn't for some reason, and that reason being the red card for Vidal. Our attack and our midfield seemed very distant. There was no connection in between. And um, Gallardini playing his usual ball, uh, which is awful. Vidal receiving a, a red card pretty early in, in the game, the 30th, the 30th minute. And then Barella giving up a stupid penalty. So all three of our midfielders not only gave stupid mistakes, but their positioning throughout the match was awful. And that was easily matched and exploited by someone like Odegaard or Kroos or Modric who have the quality to do, to do that. So, I don't know. What did you make of, of the midfield um, above all? Um, I think, yeah. 
Yeah, well, not even just the midfield, you know. I, I really, this game made me think, you know, I remember a lot of miserable intermatches in the past few years, past like three, four, five, however many years you want to go back. I, there were plenty more before that, but like, I mean, the like 4-1 loss to Napoli um, a couple of seasons ago, I believe that was. Um, the loss at home to or draw, I forget what it was, but the bad result against Eintracht Frankfurt in Europa League. Um, some of our performances against Juve, like um, the beginning of the COVID, well, right before COVID stopped, stopped everything. That was a pretty bad match, but I mean, this probably takes the cake as the most miserable intermatch that I've watched in the past five years. Um, the midfield, Barella with the pin early on, Vidal trying to, you know, um, be the third, like, undercard fight in the Tyson boxing match with the ref <laughs> last night, or, yeah, with the ref in that match, um, Galliardini just ghosting because, I mean, he was lost, he's got, like, seven Champions League appearances, like, and that guy's not Champions League material at all. So, I mean, everyone else was just kind of SOL, you know, Conte with the guy that he kicked and screamed and cried for, not, you know, said that this would be experience. The guy had the least experienced, like, performance you could have in Vidal. Like, you get a red card for something, you know, it's a yellow card offense. The foul is not that great. But then to try to go and fight the ref, like, that's not composure. That's not professionalism. That's not experience. So, I mean, it was abysmal all around. Uh, There was no redeeming quality in that match at all. You said it was, like, the worst game in in the past few years. Do you think it was worse than the Barcelona game last year? Yeah, at least we scored in that one. At least it was, like, 1-1 at one point. You still have a chance to, like, you know, nick a goal, win the match. Like, there was no hope at any moment yeah. in this match. It was, like, you know, when, um, oh, I forget who it was for um, Bayern Munich talking about, I think it was their match against Chelsea in their second leg, and they were, like, we want to give them no hope from the start, nothing, like, we want to crush them from the beginning. That was basically what Real Madrid did. Like, there was no hope from the first five minutes. Like, they dominated possession, like, right on kickoff. Barella didn't help. We let Hazard score, man. Like, that guy is barely even a footballer. He's got, like, injury woes as bad as Cincy and got injured again after scoring against Inter. It was just... I don't know. There was nothing. At least Lukaku scored against Barcelona. Like, I guess. True. That's the first thing that popped into my mind. Uh, we, we were hopeless. Throughout the match, <clears throat> I didn't see the hunger that I saw a few days uh, a few days um, afterwards against Asolo. I didn't see the, the attackers gelling among them, pressing as, as well as they did against Asolo, and I think something was missing. Some, some I don't know what, but something was missing. Something that would connect the midfield with both um, the defense and the attack. Maybe that was supposed to be uh, Brozovic's job, 
but oh well. Um, I think the most important thing that we didn't do was the the word the the bad positioning in the midfield. I think a midfield having a midfield or not having a midfield is basically make it or break it. Because if you have a good midfield, then you have a really good base of a team. And if you don't, then you're nothing. As, as we saw against Real, we were nothing. And as you said, we are hopeless, or at least we were. And heading to the Sosolo match, I think we were all hopeless. At least I was. I didn't think that we could get a, a positive result and be as good as we were. Yeah, you know, like after some of our bad Champions League results since we've gotten back into that competition, you know, we'd stumble out of the gates after a Champions League loss or a draw. And I expected that going into the Sassuolo match. Um, in a preview article for that match that I wrote on Serpents of Mananino, like I predicted a 1-1 draw. I was like, yeah, enter, you know, going to – stumble out of the gates. Berardi's probably going to get an early goal, you know, like the usual. And then at the end of it, I was like, if Inter are going to win, they're going to have to find some kind of discipline in the midfield. And that's what they did. I mean, dropping Barella deep in that match as, you know, I guess he would be in the Regista position, but he was playing more as, you know, a destroyer type of midfielder. His role, I think, going into uh, the match against Sassuolo was basically mark Sassuolo's number 10 out of the match. And that was, of course, um, Juricic, who I really like as a player, and I was really worried about him dropping in between the lines, you know, like Odegaard did for Real Madrid in that match. But Barella did a really good job. Um, Conte finally got slapped so hard by Real Madrid that he went back to a you know a flatter, deeper three-five-two instead of the three-four-one-two trequartista formation, and that made all the difference. I think that and the performance to me of in attack of Alexis Sanchez, who was given like almost this license to drop off into the midfield, you know, advance play, link up with Lautaro Martinez. Um, Their pressing, of course, on the first goal, like, was great. Um, I really thought that was one of Alexis Sanchez's best performances in an inter shirt. Um, I don't know if I'm just overrating the performance, you know, in a 3-0 win. But um, did you see anything similar in the match? Or is this just, like, my like point of view I think you're completely right but um, as you said I think it was Alexis uh, Alexis's best game in fact for Inter there were some few ga- good games last year and this year too but I think he proved his worth as a, as a team player as a, and as someone that is quite different from both Lautaro and Lukaku although he's more similar to Lautaro than Lukaku I think he, him being agile and him adapt, adapting well, adapting well to the league, is what will keep him uh, from being prominent in the years to come. Because I think he will add value to the team for for a few years at least. He proved that he is a decent squad player to have, and a, I would say a more than decent player to have. And 
when, which game was it when he played behind Lautaro and Lukaku? I think that's that's his best position. And instead of playing someone like Barella, and I'm misusing him as uh, as a trequartista and as someone that will compromise his defensive qualities for for his attacking um, attacking side of the game. Uh, I think Barella's the Barella's best position should be, and it is being uh, in a double pivot with either Vidal or Brozovic, or in my opinion, uh, 3-5-2 with three central midfielders have, has worked well. But besides that, I think the the player that surprised me the most was Matteo Darmia. I think he had an amazing game. He was crucial in us or in the team uh, keeping away uh, Boga from Sassol's game plan. Uh, preventing Boga to to be as prominent as he was even last year, and he was completely clueless this game. Darmian not only uh, played a good match and uh, defended and marked Boga, he assisted for the goal scored by Gagliardini. And overall, I think he had an amazing game. And what what I saw in the Sassuolo game that was quite different from the real game was that instead of sitting back and just waiting for something to happen, we were actually aggressive and we wanted to win, it seemed like. It seemed like uh, Conte had more time to prepare for the Sassuolo match than he had for the real game, which is quite bizarre for me. And besides that, I think Sassuolo, Sassuolo looked completely clueless. And as we've mentioned so many times last season when we recorded after after the games, the most important factor for Inter, besides the players and the, and the manager, of course, is that we were scoring early. And when you score early, you the other team, the, the team that uh, concedes, their game plan is out of the window. They must adapt to the new reality. And Teams are very rigid when it comes to that um, that side of, of football. And us scoring very early last season, whether that was mostly most of the time it was Luka, or sorry, Lautaro that was scoring in the tenth, fifteenth, the twentieth minute at most, that proved to be the key point in turning our season from being, I don't know, fourth and barely scraping into the Champions League to actually finishing second. Um and Alexis scoring that beautiful goal although um, Lothar had even a better assist. I think um, Sanchez proved his his experience with being keeping his composure, being composed on the ball and not scoring or shooting immediately, but waiting for Consigli to drop and then scoring an easy tap-in. I don't know what you make of... Do you think our us scoring uh, very early with Sanchez and Kirikesh killed off the game, or, or did you believe that uh, Sassuolo could come back into the game? Uh, well, you know, after last season's, during the COVID, you know, makeup season, basically like a shortened season again over the summer when we played against Sassuolo, and that was one of the matches that effectively ended our chances at a title that ended 3-3. We were up 2-1 in that match, and then even the first match last season against Sassuolo away, just like this one, um, 
were up 3-1 and ended up winning 4-3. So, like, Sassuolo always seems to have this threat, you know, that a two-goal lead is never going to be enough. And if two-goal lead is not enough, then a one-goal lead is basically nothing. So it was great for us to score early, you know, shake off everything that happened against Real Madrid. Um, throw Sassuolo, who, you know, are high on confidence. It threw them off. They couldn't play their game. Um, and I think when with Conte and his three five two, I think it's almost like a goal of the team to score early because if you score early and you're in this formation that, you know, lends itself to defensive solidity, you can sit back a little bit and you can play on the counter and you can hit them, you know, with a wing back and your two strikers, maybe a um, midfielder also making a run. But it's so much easier to hit teams on the counter when you get that first goal and you say, all right, like, come get your goal. Like, we are just going to dare you to put men forward. Like, we'll, we'll just get in behind, score the second goal, even though that's not how we scored the second goal. Um, that, of course, came from a corner that, you know, went across the face of the goal. And then Arturo Vidal just, I guess, on his redemption tour, completely just blasted it back into the box um, off of Kirikesh into, you know, past Concili, who in other years probably would have miraculously saved that. <laughs> but yeah. what did you make of the performance of the midfield? I know you've already asked that, but as it being the same three guys that were put out there against Real Madrid, like – did you feel like going into it that maybe it was going to, you know, be the same result? Like nobody was going to have any kind of presence or did you see some kind of redemption coming with these three guys who, you know, all played really well. Vidal forcing the own goal, Galliardini scoring a ridiculous goal that is like way above his quality of player. And Barella, you know, basically being the defensive masterclass in the midfield, screening and marking out um, Juricic from the match. Look, if anyone says that they were expecting a masterclass like this, they're lying. Like, I have zero trust in a guy like Gagliardini. I, I think we mentioned so many times last season that the bar is so low that even if he does like five passes, correct passes, completed passes, they would be amazing. Like I have zero trust in that guy. And I think when you have a player that you cannot trust at all, and that being Handanovic too, so when you have two players like that, I think it's very hard for the team to feel like a, a, com- a compact um, environment, especially at least for me. Um, I'm saying... I mean, I'm saying that because I saw uh, a team that is disorganized, uh, that doesn't track players, that their positioning and all of the ball movement was awful against Real. And we were all expecting the Real game to be, I wouldn't say easy, but easier than Sassolo would be. Definitely. I I thought that in its entirety. And it came out completely sideways. So, Sassuolo surprised me in the sense that Locatelli was decent, but not as good. 
uh, Lopez seemed like he got lost around the guys because he's so tiny and and little, and his presence was nowhere to be seen. Um, I don't know what happened with Berardi, although he had most of the ball, the ball most of the time. He really surprised me in that he always tries his best against Inter, and this time he didn't do anything. And as you said, Juricic, I, I didn't see Juricic the whole game. And God, fuck, I wanted to get him on my fantasy team, so I'm glad I did not. Um, and yeah, as far as Boga goes, I think Darmian uh, did an amazing job of marking him. And for me, Darmian was uh, was the man of the match. I don't know about you, but Darmian surprised me a lot. Yeah, I like Darmian in this match. He hasn't really disappointed any so far you know he puts in solid work um i think it was more appropriate to have him than hakimi on that side where it would have just been a track meet with him and boga and you never know what's going to happen there so i think and also you know he had a run of games from atalanta to real madrid that was pretty pretty packed so i think well not atalanta um he played torino real madrid and then you know, got to got to match off. So um, I think it was appropriate, and I think it ended up being the right decision. And he was one of the men of the match. Of course, to me, my man of the match was Alexis Sanchez. But I think I might just be a little partial because he's been one of my favorite players for years. So to see him perform was really, you know, a pleasant surprise for me. But Darmian has you know, in his own way, impressed since making the move from Parma this summer. Do you, do you think, uh, if someone said, like, on Friday, after the, um, the loss against Real, that Darmian would be starting and Hakimi would be on the bench, but would that make sense to you? Yeah, that would have made perfect Without sense. Without knowing what you know now. That would have made perfect sense. Like, Hakimi, you know, <clears throat> low on confidence after Real Madrid, like going to be up against such a pacey player like you need someone with a little bit more experience in this league and a little bit more you know defensive expertise and I think that's what Darmian provided and that's kind of what he provides in opposition to Hakimi even though I still think Hakimi should be first choice and I think he should be you know the guy that we invest a lot of time and minutes into in the future and like, well, now and into the future. But I think there are matches where Darmian should come in and, you know, do what he did yesterday. Um, I want to go back because it was the same midfield, like I mentioned earlier. Do you think that there would have been any chance for us to win against Real Madrid if Vidal didn't get that red card? Or do you think that that, that enter just totally – blew that one from the start. Well, I think they blew it right from the start. It's not like... Look, in my opinion, having <clears throat> having 10 players is not as much of a... as much of a handicap, in a sense, than having 11 players. I mean, yes, it makes a, a difference, but I think if you're a compact side, and again, I think referring to Mourinho's 2010 team is not really an appropriate reference... But like we saw how a team can held itself uh, and its structure against a team like Barcelona back then, which was the best team in, in the world. 
and reminiscent of that, Real Madrid is one of the best teams in the world. I think Bayern is better, but that's another point. Uh, I think we were lost from the beginning just because Real knew what they were doing. They had a, a goal scored in the seventh minute, and as I said, scoring uh, an early goal gives you more of a mental advantage in the sense that you have a plan that's working and the opposition has to adapt to your plan instead of you trying to adapt to theirs. So I think um, Conte doesn't seem like the guy that has like two plans. He seems like the guy that uses the same plan and tries to ingest that into people. And when when that doesn't pan out and he prefers um, hardworking people and hardworking players instead of Pay, not pacey, but um, technical. Technical players, players with flair. Like when you have players with flair, they often lack on being hard workers, and the vice versa. So him preferring hardworking players is good for his system. But when it doesn't work, then you cannot blame those players because they, because they are not flair flary players. And those players, players we've seen last season with Dybala can win you games. Although he wasn't good most of the season or I would say at least one third of the season he was invisible. When he played and when Juventus struggled, he did one thing uh, throughout the game that would make us so much, uh, uh, so much of a difference. So I think we lost that spark at the, of the, at the beginning of the Real Madrid game when we considered the goal and it seemed like the positioning of the players was so bad that it was impossible to recover. And when you have players like Kroos, Edegaard, Modric coming, um, coming to the midfield and playing against you, I think you're losing, you're at, uh, at a loss even before the game starts. So, I don't know, I, to me it wasn't salvageable. What about you? Um, yeah, I think everything about that match was wrong. I think if we would have started with the same, you know, three five two deeper setup that we did against the Swallow, I think we might have had a chance. But uh, I think any way you cut it, that Barella penalty early in the match, Real Madrid getting a goal when they were like needed that goal to kickstart their own, you know, confidence, their own game plan. Um, I think that that really just kind of set them a level ahead of us in that match and there was like not much that could be done unless you know you get a worldie out of nowhere you know something that really sparks the team but like you said that that usually requires a player with like a lot of technical ability a lot of flair and we didn't bring anybody like that on until late in the match so I totally agree with you there um you see, so just to add to that point, I think <clears throat> the biggest difference makers or the single biggest maker was Sensi at the beginning of last season. He was that flary technical player that we haven't seen in so long. And he was the one that prompted Inter to have a, a, a really long run of games, at least for Inter standards. For a month and a half, he was amazing. And we haven't seen a player, especially a midfielder, now except for Barella, there were there was amazing for months and months on end, and if Sensi continued that form last season, it could have been, it would have been a completely different season. 
But this season, we don't have a player in mid in the midfield to be that flary, flashy player. Since he's not there, Eriksen is not being utilized. Uh, Sanchez was on the bench. So you have three players that are either underutilized or simply not available to your disposal. And when that's the case, and the opposition has literally two Brazilians worth 100 million euros, like, you cannot beat that. I don't know what's the game plan coming into the game, but that seems uh, like you cannot win against them. Not that they are good, as we mentioned last week, they drew at the weekend before the intergame, but like I, I don't understand what's the game plan. How can a midfielder, a midfield, as you said, consisted of those three guys, play such a different, different game, uh, both against Real and Sassol? Like it's not, it's not that we are talking. Oh, ah, he had a bad game. No, we are talking about he was awful. He was awful, and he was awful. And we were talking to, oh, they were amazing. Like, that's, I don't know. But that doesn't seem like a team that could win the Scudetto, sorry. I don't think a team that performs that bad in one game and that good in, in another game, especially that that's like three days apart, is a team that can or wants to win the Scudetto. It doesn't seem like that. I know they want to, but they don't show it. They, they haven't showed uh, the passion needed. And the determination is to, to, to do that. I mean, with that, I feel like you could apply that to any team in Serie A this year. Like, I mean, even Milan. Like, how can you look at Milan who gets slapped twice by Lille and then, like, you know, wins on the weekend in Serie A? Like, no team has shown both domestically and in Europe that, you know, that they're the most serious team in Italy. So... I'd, I wouldn't judge off of that just because, like, the whole league has been, in one way or another, inconsistent. Um, Milan, of course, have been the most consistent in the league, but, you know, they've shown their faults in Europe, and I think those faults are still going to come to roost at some point in the league. And, you know, we're still sitting in the weeds in second, and so I, you know, you can't write, you can, Scudetto, or not just Scudetti, but, you know, like the saying is, like, titles aren't won in December, January, November, whatever month you want to say, but they can be lost. And I don't think we've lost we, – we definitely haven't lost the Scudetto in October, November, um, even oh, while absolutely. we were so bad. But also, like, Milan haven't won it. Juve haven't lost it. Um the only team you can really say isn't going to win Scudetto is, like, I mean, the bottom three and, like, Benevento. Like, from, what do you say, like, sixth place up, it's still a pretty tight race. And teams are going to fall off in due time. But I still think it's really early to call a Scudetto favorite, even. But, you know, honestly, you must be, Right. Like, on paper, you have the best team in the league. You have the best coach in the league when it comes to if you value the salary into that, you add the salary to that. You have the second best attack from last season and the best defense. 
So everything is in your favor. And if you add to that, um, if we, let's, let's use uh, the, the Champions League for, for reference. You finish fourth. You don't win against uh, and Gladbach, and it doesn't matter what happens against Shakhtar. Or I hope we don't win against Shakhtar. Um, so I think, look, in all honesty, if we finish fourth, then is it a failed season from the get-go? Fourth in Champions League? I think League? the only South... Fourth in okay. Champions League and, and I don't know, top four in, 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 uh, in Serie A? Like, it's a worse season than we had last season. Yeah, of course that's a failed and, season. Like, if you do worse than the season before, but, that's a, always a failure. Um, I mean, yeah. I think it depends on, on winning the trophies. But, like, my my initial point when when I said that, it's not like we're, we, I'm saying about us losing points or dropping points against Real. It's not. It's Real Madrid. They're always the favorites. But it's more of a, a performance aspect because we're not talking about, oh, the team performed bad. We're talking about a positioning of the players was so off that the, the, um, the Real Madrid players were exploiting those uh, situations with ease. They had so many chances and they won comfortably. And then against a solo who is single-handedly the team to beat Inter. Like, no one is expecting uh, a result against Sassuolo. It's come to that point. We haven't beat them in, like, I think four games at home or something like that. Like, that's embarrassing for a team like Inter, for Scudetto contenders. And they drop a performance that's worthy of, like, they can leave people in awe with that performance. Maybe it's not on par with the best performance in the world, but when you take into consideration the form and the context of the Real Madrid game, then absolutely, yeah. You know, um, going out in Champions League, of course, you know, that's never good. That's never the standard for a team like Inter. But we've seen with, like, Conte before, like, this isn't the first time he's been garbage in Europe. Like, I mean, <laughs> look at any year, basically, with with Juve. And, like, you look at them in uh, 2013-14 when they went out in the group stage, uh, um, a group that, you know, had Galatasaray in it. Um, they went out, they ended up oh. in the Europa League and still won the league. You know, they weren't first through the first – few weeks of that season for the first couple months I think and they still but Mike pulled it out we're we're talking about a Juventus team that won two Scudetti before okay that. but still like it's uh, the same manager a it's a Champions League group that included Real Madrid um you know um they had the arguably the best team in well not arguably like obviously they had the best team in Italy like it's pretty I, I think it's a pretty comparable it's a pretty so, comparable um season to me and it's with the same manager I think that going out in Champions League especially when we haven't progressed before like it's a regression if we finish fourth and go out 
but also, you know, that's a, 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 dare I say, an advantage where you focus on the league, and it's a league that, like, we know this manager knows where, you know, if he focuses on playing Genoa, Parma, Torino, uh, Spezia, Benevento, he focuses on, like, these guys for a week, like, he's going to just run through all of yeah. these teams. Um, I think almost in a way, Europe is a distraction to this guy because of how bad he is, how, like, archaic he is when he manages in Europe. And, you know, like, dicking around with, like, a 4-3-1-2 when you're just neutralizing Nicola Barella. You're not playing, the like, any player that is suited for a Trequartista role. Like, if you just dash that, you don't even have any thought of that. And you're focusing on the league and you're running a more familiar, like Gagliardini said in the press conference after Sassuolo, like, you're running a um, – a formation, a system that you know much better that the team is more comfortable in, your results are, of course, going to improve. And I think that, you know, I think we win Serie A if we go out, <laughs> if we finish fourth in the Champions League group. But does that make that a failure of a season? I don't think so. Of course not. If you win Serie A for the first time in a decade, um, I don't think there's anything you can really say to that. But in that moment, you know how everything goes, how feelings are. In that moment, if we finish fourth, if we lose to Mönchengladbach and we lose to Shakhtar, like, you know, people are going to be ready to burn down Apiano Gentile. Like, you're really going to have to – look past that in a way but you know that initial wave of disappointment from supporters from everyone is going to be there but if you refocus I think Syria is a very very attainable you know title but uh you said Juventus were playing against the Galatasaray in 2013 2014 uh yeah that was that it was Galatasaray, um, Real Madrid. When and... when they had like, was it the season when they had six draws out of six matches? It was one of the seasons. I, I don't remember when was it, but I remember Snyder scoring that game with a fucking a lot of mud throughout the game. But if that was a season when they, let me just. Um, trust. it was. Yeah, I have it pulled up right here. Juventus finished third in their Champions League group on six points, one win, three draws. Six draws. One win, three draws, and oh. two losses. Okay, so that's not the season that was referring to. But regardless, so that's the season when they finished third, and next season, 14-15, they were playing in the final against Barcelona. So obviously the team had something that, was not working with the manager, even if the new manager, in this case, Allegri, added a few pieces. Uh, mainly, I think it was Morata and, you know, by, um, Pogba with, uh, with the uh, World Cup experience after that summer and all that. I think everything played a factor, but what, why is he so bad in Europe? Is that, like, a, just a coincidence? Or it cannot be, right? I- it must be something with, with I just the coach. I don't think his tactics, his rigidness, you know, his 
undying adherence to whatever he starts a match with, like we were talking about, you know, like managers have to adapt. His like refusal to adapt, his refusal to make early subs in something, you know, as fast paced as, you know, changing on a dime as the Champions League, I just don't think he has the reaction time or the flexibility to succeed in Europe. So I, I thought, like, my first initial um, opinion or, I don't know, thought was it, it cannot be a coincidence because it, it, it has happened so many times. And I think you nailed that because I do agree when I think about that because um, the leagues are usually more rigid when, than the Champions Leagues because in Champions League, we, in the last, I don't know, like three years, we haven't had a team that was... 100% uh, going to win the Champions League, especially in the past two years when Liverpool and Bayern Munich have won it. And you have to be prepared to make the changes on the go, which Conta hasn't done so far at Inter. Or I can always remember him doing that throughout his years at Juventus and, um, and, uh, and later on Chelsea. But I, I don't know. I just, I just don't think that he... He doesn't seem like the coach for Inter uh, for some reason. Because on the long run, obviously the signings that we made this summer are not the names that we will, I don't know, have in the squad three years from now. Uh, Gallardini. Because um, Kularov. (laughs) Who else is still going to be there? Kularov, Young, Vidal. Like all the signings made this summer, especially Vidal and Kularov, will not be here. Uh, in in three years' time, and you know, my point is that yeah. Oh sorry, no, you you finish. I've got something that just popped in my head. Yeah, I just wanted to to say that like him relying on players with experience instead of giving chance to someone younger, although I think that's a practice for many coaches, is something that will haunt him and has done so far. I don't know what's going to happen, but I just, I don't know. I don't have trust in, in players when they do not show any any remorse for what they've done. You know, when Vidal posts a photo on, on Twitter on, or in Instagram, on, on Instagram and um, turns off the comments and then does the same thing for the next game. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't give me confidence going forward. And on the long run, I think we are worse off if we finish third or fourth just because the, the, of the coefficient, uh, the coefficient aspect. Because we saw that in, in, in years prior, in the first season when we were, we were in the fourth pot, uh, last season, and this season when we were in the third or like on second pot, third, it doesn't yeah. matter anymore. Yeah, like that will hurt us on the long run. And if we finish fourth, it risks the risks of us finishing or being in the in the third or fourth pot are once again even more prominent. So I don't know what's that what's going to happen in the in the Champions League. I just hope that we can I don't know be better than we were against. Well, you know the easiest way 
to bypass coefficients is to win your league. And if you come, from, if you win your league, of course, your first pot. And the way that this season is shaking out, the way that we haven't seen anyone in like management really have a go at Antonio Conte or even like entertain any kind of questions about his stature at the club. I think this team was really just built for Serie A. I don't think. I don't think anyone made any kind of objective for Champions League at this rate. Like, you look at what's happened and you look at how he's kind of, you know, just gotten away scot-free with some really ugly results. And you look at the way the team's built with these guys that are only going to be here, like, next year and some of them year after. Um, I think this team was just built to win Serie A right now. And I think that's all it was built for, and I think that's all they're shooting for. I don't think Champions League matters anymore. I think this is a team that was just completely constructed to win Serie A and, you know, build upon that, maybe on another coach or something. Because I don't think – I still don't believe that Antonio Conte is going to be here for more than the three years on his contract, which is now – this is the second year. Next year would be the final year. I don't think he's getting another contract. I think, you know, um, Sunning have always been about this idea of like incremental growth. Like we went from, you know, um, Mancini, DeBoer, that season where it was just a hodgepodge of everything, everyone being shit. We went from that to, um, Spalletti, who was able to get us fourth, got us into the Champions League, um, kept us in fourth. Then we move to Conte, who is going to, you know, get you higher in the league, got a second last year. The goal probably now is to win the league. And then I think after that, you say thank you. Conte goes on. I think you go for a manager with Champions League pedigree. And... You know, whether that be Diego Simeone, who hasn't won the big trophy yet, but does have Champions League experience, expertise, gets out of his groups. Um, Yeah, I think that that's the next step is another manager. I think Conte's job is just to start, you know, a cycle of winning Serie A. And then you look forward and you say, all right, who's going to get me that next step further? I don't think Conte is here to win the Champions League. Obviously, he doesn't know how to. And, yeah, I think the goal is Serie A or bust. And if they don't win the league, that's that's a failure. And I think that may be the end of Conte's tenure at Inter this year. But I guess – That would be my – I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you, like, is there any scenario in which Conte is not a manager of Inter next season? Any? Uh, I think finishing outside of the top two might be good. But that also depends on you know, how top much two. money he is making, who comes ahead of him, like things like that. I, I think that he, he would be sacked if he finished fourth or maybe even third 
or if even worse, he finished outside of Champions League qualification. I think that would be the end of him. I highly doubt so, but who do you see as, as a natural like progression from Conte? Because I think Suning are working very smart and on the long run, which I, which I love. <clears throat> they made a, a very good appointment in Pioli, then Spalletti, then Conte. And I thought that Conte was the one to bring home the Scudetto, which he hasn't done or is anywhere close to doing. Because although I think Juventus are shambles, and, you know, the master thesis of uh, Piddle is not something that would give you a great uh, optimism, I think Ronaldo is still a very crucial uh, part of their team and their winning mentality, uh, them spending 80 million euros on a, on a defender, uh, them having a player in Arthur who... According to the books, they spent 80 million on. They have Morata and um, Ronaldo up front, who for this league are pretty decent. But I don't know. I think there are so many factors that don't go into Inter's favor. And in all honesty, I'm not the great optimism optimist for for our chances for the Scudetto. Although I think these are the biggest, or this is the biggest chance of us winning the Scudetto. Because you have to be realistic sometimes. And when you have a team in Juventus, as we did for the past decade, surely Suning came, coming into 2016 knew that, okay, we have a team, a competitor in Juventus that will win the league for the next, I don't know, three, four, five years. And that's a given. It's not like if they win the league. It's a given. Like There's no team that's organized, more organized, better run, with better staff and better players than they were until last season. Or until, at least until Allegri resigned or was sacked two years ago. But surely Sunning does a plan, I don't know, a 10-year plan, in which after year five, you need to start making results or producing uh, results, having trophies, winning something. And the year, like, what's... Is this 16, 17, 18? Yeah, this is year four. This is year five or six. So surely when you have a, such a uh, operational, operational one of a manager, surely you will, I don't know, have the affinity of winning trophies and you will not be happy with finishing, I don't know, second or third. And I think the most frustrating thing for me as a fan right now is that we are talking all this garbage and we're we're talking about the same thing over and over again and the lack of I would say ambition from the management seems I don't know seems just uninspiring at least to me and as a fan that has been interacted or hasn't interacted with any of the staff or the players I can only imagine how they feel like if I'm if I'm so uninspired towards this team and to believe in success, how do they feel? I, I, I have no idea. I don't know what it is to come, but if Ronaldo plays for Juventus and he plays consistently, Juventus are a different team and they are the favorites for the Scudetto. And if you don't go through the group stages and we don't win the Scudetto, and therefore, I don't know, I don't have great optimism for the Coppa Italia too, then 
how can you, I don't know, make an excuse of the season? How can you code the results done for, for the team and for the management? I have no clue. I mean, I guess in a way you chalk it down to COVID maybe because, you know, there's still no fans. There's still revenue hits. Um, players, you know, could basically come down with this at any moment and be out for two weeks. Um, players are still feeling fatigue and injuries from, you know, starting a new season two weeks after the previous one ended. So, I mean, there still are a lot of variables that no 10-year plan could have seen coming. Um, but I don't think we have to worry about that. I'm, I might be misguided, but I still think we still have a very good chance at winning the Scudetto. I, I, I really haven't, you know, I mean, of course, the first few matches when we were playing two fullbacks and a backup center back, in your defense and they're getting washed by every bomb in the league. Like, yeah, that doesn't feel good. But for us to have come through that with only one loss, um, I still think that there's no way that you can count enter out of this right now. Oh, absolutely. I'm not counting them out. I'm just saying I'm not optimistic that we can actually close it. As far as the season goes, yes, but just look at, for the context of, of everything that's happening, look at other teams. I know we spoke about Milan before recording, but their team is fucking awful. Their team is awful. And they still managed to win against uh, someone like Fiorentina, who we, in all honesty, struggled against at the beginning of the season. And we had, like, the full team and Hakimi... Raja coming off of the bench. Like, even in other sports, when you see, I don't know, in handball, for example, like, the most concerning thing about a game in that sense is that when you're considering goals with an ease and you are so, it's so hard for you to score goals. And in this kind of, in, in this kind of context, in this season's context, is that, like, you're losing or not winning games with ease, and you cannot score or break teams, or you are unlucky in most of the most of the season. But yes, I do agree with you. I think it's very situational in that Kolarov and uh, D'Ambrosio were playing in the first round or and uh, in the in the rounds that followed. I think we'll improve on that. I have no doubts about about, about that. But like. I don't know. I think there are other teams. In a, going back to the point that you made, in a sense, when you have a season like this one, the most important thing is to have the ability to adapt. And Inter, as a team, is not someone that has adapted to times very well. Conte is not a manager that adapts pretty well. So you have nothing in your fever that will give you a great time of optimism, of great optimism in general. I mean, you can turn the same um, argument but... around onto who you, you know, we're talking about before, Juventus. You could turn the same thing back around. Like, you could say, if you were a Juventus fan, you turn this around, you say, oh, we just drew against Benevento with a manager that the only thing that he says about defense is you try not to score. 
Um, he or you try not to concede. Um, you pass sideways. Um, you could say all of this, but you know, you say, "Oh, look at Inter. Look at Milan. Who? Look at Roma, who beat Benevento five two. Um, I mean, you could make that same argument against any team in the league right now. So I just, I don't feel like there's really any case for alarm other than I think your fairest point has been that Conte doesn't adapt. This team doesn't adapt. Um, but I still think there's so much that needs to be learned about Inter in the league and, you know, all the other teams in the league. There's still so much that needs to be learned before we can be like, all right, this is the most likely conclusion. So, We'll just zoom back in, you know, smaller picture now. Um, the next couple of matches for Inter are, of course, Munch and Gladbach, who are going to be, you know, this is really the next eight days are going to decide the season when you've got Munch and Gladbach away, Bologna at home, that doesn't really matter too much, um, and Shakhtar away, or no, Shakhtar at home to end the Champions League. Um, how do you feel about, these last two Champions League games, and do you think that we that Inter make it through that we went out and Gladbach loses out and we get through, or what do you think is going to happen? You know, if we're talking about any other team other than Inter, I'm sure that they're not going through because. Motion Gladbach away is a very tough game. Uh, even at home, we struggled against them. Real find found them very difficult to play against. So it doesn't seem like you have any chance chance of winning. I mean, any chance is it's a bit of reaction, but like very small chances of winning the match, especially against a team that does so well or has done so well so far in in Champions League and in the Bundesliga. But it's Inter. So after last week, and it's only been a week, and it seems like like three months have passed, um, we expected us to win against Real and expected us to dominate the match. And we lost and got dominated by them. So it was completely different. The same way with Sassuolo. So, I think, in all honesty, if you ask me now, does Inter go through? No. But there's a small chance of us going through. Um, we have to beat both Moshe Gladbach away, which will be very hard. And then we have to beat Shakhtar 2. And we have to hope that Real beats Moshe Gladbach. Which... Is coming through something that we haven't faced so far, in that we have to rely on others to do our job besides ourselves. In the first Champions League uh, with uh, Spalletti, we had to beat again. We had to beat PSV. We didn't. Uh, we had to beat Barcelona last season. We didn't. It was in our hands. And we messed that up. So, 
maybe we have a bigger chance of going through. Who knows? I think if you ask me now, I don't believe that we can. But I ho- I'm hopeful. I'm I'm always I'm always hopeful when it comes to Inter. What about you? Do you, do you really think we can beat Mönchengladbach away after their amazing four so far in the group stages? I mean, we talked about it before starting. Like looking at teams, um, Mönchengladbach are going to be missing the two players that scored against Inter in the first match. So I mean, there's positive right there. I guess um, you're going to have. Enter, you know, like full squad. I don't think we had, you know, the full squad back yet, especially in the back line yet when we played them the first time. So I think we're bringing a lot to the table that we didn't in the first match. Um, so, you know, I think we can win against Gladbach away. You know, we almost beat um, Borussia Dortmund away last year. Um, of course, you know, close only how counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, but, like, it's a, it's pretty close, man. Like, you know, I mean, Gladbach's not Dortmund. Like, I think that it's very possible. Um, and we've seen that this team historically wins when there is no other option. Like, if you tell, like, I mean, even with Real, like, that wasn't must win. And we went out and dropped a zero out of ten performance. Um, so if you tell the team that they've got to win against Mönchengladbach, they've got to win against Shakhtar, like, I think that's possible. And I think Real also showed that, like, they're still Real Madrid. They can, you know, go anywhere, beat any team, like, as long as they just, you know, turn it on. And they'll probably have their players back for that Gladbach match. So I think if we beat Shakhtar as well, I think – we have a high chance of Real helping us out and the group somehow ending in a way that most of us predicted. Um, of course, you know, that's still a lot of variables, but I think I'll agree with you that I am hopeful, though I do see, you know, how it can not happen. Do, the thing that I'm, uh, or pessimism, that was, the, that was the word that I was looking for, is that it's not only our results that we're relying on. We rely on Real Madrid getting a result, which, you know, your destiny is not in your hands. And that's... You know, I almost like that better, though. Like, I'd rather, you know, be playing with house money like that where you don't have the pressure of it being in your own hands. You can say, all right, we go out, we play. If we lose, you know, we were probably going out anyway. But if we win... You know, the only good things can happen if we win. So I think that's that's almost something I'd rather have, in a way. But uh, if you do that way, and if you beat Moshan Gladbach and then Shakhtar, you are in the Europa League. So you're no longer have, as you said, the advantage of Conte preparing every week first for one game and one game only. You'll prepare for, I don't know, uh, an away match in, in Sofia, in Bulgaria, in, in Logoretz. Like, that's an added pressure that you didn't have a month before that. You have, instead of a game or a midweek game every two weeks in the Champions League, you'll have so many more games in the Europa League. You have more than, like, almost double the games. So, is that worth it? 
or you calculate and if you don't win against Gladbach, you just play your second team against Shakhtar and try to, I don't know, effectively avoid winning against them. Yeah, I think that's what the way to go, even though I don't think that's how it would be set up. I don't think that, you know, we'd come out and concede like that against Shakhtar. But if it were, you know, me and, like, the god of, like, the football or something, I'm saying, yeah, like, go out against Gladbach. If you get the win, you push for the win against Shakhtar. And if you end up in Europa League, like, it was a calculated risk. But if you don't win against Gladbach, like, I guess it's not really that big a deal anyway because Shakhtar is already ahead. I don't know. But, yeah, like, either I – don't, I don't want third at all. Either second in advance, you know, fourth, and focus on the league, or, you know, third is the worst possible option. Unless you're going to win – unless you're going to win worst. Europa League because <laughs> Sevilla is not in it this year. Which is not going to happen. Which is not going to happen, of course, because it's Inter. But the worst outcome, in a sense, is that if we win against Motion Gladbach, and then Real beats Motion Gladbach the week after that, and we drop points against uh, Shakhtar, that would be so Inter, and there would be just another of those PSV Barcelona. But you know games. what's even worse? If that we I'm looking beat... at the schedule, if we drop to Shakhtar, end up. You end up third in the Champions League, or not Champions You end up third, you go into the Europa League, and then on the Sunday after the Wednesday, you have to play Cagliari in the 12 o'clock p.m. match. Oof. A yeah. Saturday? Or a Sunday. Sunday. Oh, or Sunday. But still, Sunday noon. Oh, fuck. <sighs> I'm not looking forward to that. But, you know, honestly, Cagliari were fucking awful this season. And they're dropping points left and right. And they drop points or they didn't win against Spezia today. But I th- by the time we play Cagliari, which is like what? Ten, yeah. Two weeks? Yeah, two weeks exactly. We're going to know the, I don't know, 50% of the season. The outcome of, of a certain fucking event. And before that, we're playing what? On, on Saturday against... Bologna? Yeah, it's definitely the best. In, it's the most Bologna, favorable sorry. run that you could have. Like, you're given Mönchengladbach, mm-hmm. Bologna, Shakhtar Donetsk, and Cagliari. Like, those are all four winnable matches. And like, you know, perfect world. You win all four of those. You advance. You know, season like Milan. Maybe Milan drop points in both of the next two weeks. I don't know who they play. That's just a hypothetical. But if that happens and, you know, you advance in the Champions League, you're first in the league. I mean, after everything that's happened, what can you do? Sampdoria away next week. Milan. Sampdoria Milan. Sampdoria Milan and Roma against Asolo. So, in two weeks, who do they play in two weeks? Just bear with me. When we play Cagliari, the best outcome will be. So, how many points are Milan against of Inter? You could be a Five. point up if, yeah. if somehow they lose both. You could be a point up in the league, and you could be into the next round of no. Champions League. Like that is still possible after everything. They're playing. <laughs> they're playing some Doria away next week, and the week after that, they're playing uh, Parma at home. 
So, and they lost two of the games against. Yeah, Lille, they lost right? both games again, or they drew and lost, or lost and lost. They 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 didn't win either one. Okay, they lost and drew, and they're playing. There's still chance for for them not to go through their group stage or in the Europa League, but like. The best outcome for us, as you said, would be to win all four games. But with Inter, you never know. You can lose three and draw one. You can draw all four. You can win all four. So it's pointless of us to talk about that structure game. But instead, just to focus on uh, the Motion Global game, there will be tomorrow, effectively, because the episode will be up tomorrow. But yeah, I, it's just weird to think about. Um we still could go through and be first, and I don't think there's really anything you can say there other than should have picked up more points, shouldn't have left it late. But we, we could in two weeks we could be talking about the whole season still on track, or we could be talking about half of it on track, or all of it, you know, sky is falling. <laughs> but I'm hopeful. Um, got a good feeling. Never good when I have a good feeling, but still. Skyfall featuring uh, Conte as the as the 007 agent. <laughs> oh my fucking god, that would be a parody yeah. and a half. Do you think we can win against Bologna? I watched their match today and they seemed like very reluctant to attack and Orsolini got injured in the first half. I don't know how long will be he'll be out. That's left to be seen because he just got uh, injured like hours ago. And if he doesn't play, then we have a huge advantage over them. Although Palacio is still playing and probably will score. But I I don't know. I just, I think that there's a good chance we win all four. Um, Especially Bologna. I think Bologna is the most winnable game of the four. And yeah, I think... Uh, that's what I'm going to go with. I'm putting my chips in. I'm saying we win at least three out of four, um, advance in Champions League, and stay between second and third in the table. Oh, fuck me. I I, I think we're going to win both matches in, in Serie A, but Motion Lodbach seems like a draw, I mean, it's Inter, so we are probably gonna win like three nothing. But right now, I would say a draw. I just, I don't, I don't know which midfield is gonna show up. You see, I don't see the consistency. To be sure, uh, as I don't know, as Milan were so far, I mean, or as Gladbach some top teams, as like in Europe, you know, it's not as predictable a team as you would think. Like. I mean, they've got draws with Union Berlin. They've got draws with Wolfsburg. Um, they drew with Real Madrid, of course. Drew with us. Um, lost to Bayer Leverkusen. Drew with Augsburg. Like, I mean, they've got some questionable see, results. Yeah. And they can't... I, I, I just want to jinx it. Stay, like, you can't stay at the top forever if you're Borussia Mönchengladbach. Like, you're not... Bayern Munich, like yeah, you beat Shakhtar on an aggregate of ten to nothing over two matches, but like 
<laughs> you cannot say but but like you cannot say ten one and then say battle just now. You cannot say ten one and then say but yeah. It's shocked. They fucking scored ten goals in two matches. Yeah, a shock that that we couldn't score against. But one that uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, however long ago. And yeah, and then that fucking piece of shit, Luke the Young, score whatever his name is, scored against us, and Someone he's not even a fucking real player. Us. Anything's possible. <laughs> exactly. So we don't know which midfield is gonna show up. Maybe I don't know, Brozovic. Maybe. Fucking miracle can ha- can Maybe happen since he yeah. can start against Motion Wilba. Imagine him starting, Brozovic coming back from uh, the COVID break, Barella playing his I don't know trequartista shit and scoring three goals against Motion Wilba. Hinter winning seven nil. Ah, joy. Now we're on the delusions of grandeur. Joy. Maybe we should cut it short soon. <laughs> I mean, it's one one a.m. for me, so yeah, it's delusional hour. So yeah, we'll go ahead yeah. and call it here. Um, if you made it this long, we appreciate it. We hope that whatever we've predicted here somehow comes true. I guess we'll see, and we'll see you guys in the next one.